0: There's a place that if you're dealing with anything physical, uh, blindness, uh, crippled, anything that you need healing for, there's a place that's well-known. It's called the, the Pools of Bethesda, and it was in the city of Jerusalem, and people would come from all over because they knew if they got into the water at the right time, they would be healed except for you had to get in there first. That was the the only thing. And so hundreds of people with needs would just surround the area, waiting for the moment for this pool to bubble. And when it bubbled, they jumped in. And so when Jesus came for the first time in Jerusalem and saw that it didn't take long for him to see the one man that needed it. I mean, they all needed it, but the one man that's been waiting for 38 years. He was so stricken, so bad that anytime he tried to get into the water before other people, they would push him aside and move him around. He couldn't get in, and so he'd been waiting there for 38 years. Someday, the next time, it's going to be my turn. I'm going to get healed. It's my turn. No more waiting and watching other people walk away with their healing. He wanted his. And when Jesus saw him, he knew he had to talk to him. It was the love and the compassion that Jesus saw. That the reason why Jesus was drawn to him. He walks up to the man, says, Do you want to be healed? The man says, I've tried can't do it. I'm too weak. Everyone's too strong. I just can't do it. And he said, no, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm not asking you to get in the water. I'm asking you, do you want to be healed? And the guy says, yes. And so Jesus heals him. The man is completely, without even going into the water, without even getting close to the water, the man, Jesus says, okay, pick up your mat and go and walk away. It was the love of Jesus that brought him to the man. Jesus then saw that he needed help, and now Jesus is showing him his faithfulness by saying, now, pick up the mat and walk, and the man does just that. Amazing, right? I know you guys have seen The Chosen. I'm starting to become obsolete, so you know the scene, right? So. But it's what's after. That's really amazing. So, because Jesus was doing these things, healing a man, um, this is John 5 16. <clears throat> so, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also I hope, like myself, you've been enjoying this series, this experiencing God, this, this, this no, it's not up there, but Yahweh, right? We've had some great ones, like, like Mandy talked on, on travel, like experiencing God through travel, seeing the world, going into uh, even just places here in our area, the, the beauty that God has done, and experiencing God that way. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about experiencing God in celebration, which was so timely for us because that following—actually, it was that day, that that night, we got to celebrate my third daughter's birthday. She turned five. And so we were in celebration mode. And so when Pastor Josh gave that challenge to, to the men to, to, to celebrate, to celebrate things and, and to— and to uh, to pray a blessing in that celebration. I-, I did it. I took up that challenge and and holding my daughter, she's she's like me, she doesn't like like a lot of attention. So when we we're all you know praying, she like buries her head in me because everyone's looking at her and anyways, but I'm holding her, my hand is on her back and I'm just praying this blessing. Nothing like I'm not now see a blessing is different from like wishing. Right? I'm not making wishes for her. I'm saying, God, please help her to marry Rich. You know, <laughs> please, God. No, it's different. It, it, a blessing is, I'm blessing that God, you have given her gifts. Help her to walk in them. Help, her to help, help us as parents to, to, to encourage those gifts, to strengthen those gifts, to come alongside the work that you're doing in my daughter today. Father, thank you. And just, just being able to bless to do that is amazing. And I loved it. I loved everything. So we celebrated last Sunday. I got to do that. And then we got to have her birth. Her birthday is actually on the 30th. And we got to celebrate her then again at Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> which is a rip. Save your Chuck E. Cheese money and use it towards like something cool like Disneyland because but that's what she wanted, and, and that's what we, we wanted to give her. But, but anyways, but celebrating. And the, the, the ability that, that God has given us to bless our kids, or, or to bless, is, is amazing. And it all changed the game when Jesus said these words. So see, he was working on the Sabbath, which is a no-no. You don't do that. And then because of that, they were like, we're going to persecute you. We're going to, like, make, you know call you bad names, we're gonna ruin your name in the marketplace, we're gonna do all those things. But when he said that he is the son of God and that God is his father, then it said they were gonna kill him. Which is weird, right? We've all heard this term, God, our father. Father, you know, our father is one of the very first prayers we ever learn. We've heard that. But it was different back then because what Jesus was doing was a game changer. So I, I did some digging and in the Old Testament, it's just not there. I mean, it, there, there are areas, there are areas where God is compared to a father, but never called Father. And then Isaiah, he mentions it twice, but that's it. So you've got these Jewish leaders that, that growing up and believing that God is everything but Father, because Abraham is Father. But God is God. God has a bunch of in the Old Testament. There's a bunch of different names that describe God, and and you've got a couple here. You got um, El Shaddai, which is the Almighty God, the the Strength God. You got Elohim, which is the Creator God. He created everything, and then there's there's a bunch of others. But then you've got Yahweh. That's why when Moses met with God. And God says, "I say, tell him, I am sent you." He's saying everything, I am everything. I am one, I am everything, including Father." But they didn't do that. They didn't want that relationship. They wanted God to be God, and Abraham to be Father. But I want to read John 1 1, 12 through 13 says this yet all who did receive him as in Jesus to those who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god if you have a bible underline circle that word right the right to become children of god children born not of natural descent nor of human decision nor of husband's will but born of god Changing the game, the right to be God's children, the right. He was, let us, let us, he was letting us know right then and there that this is the relationship that God has desired, the father-son, father-daughter relationship. Yes, he is God. Yes, he is Lord. He is all those things. But when he created Adam and Eve in the beginning, the plan A was that of the family, God and his children. That's how he wanted to govern things. That's how he wanted to do things before sin got wrapped up. And so when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus did his sacrifice, it was bringing that idea, that, that, that bringing back what God originally wanted, that we are his children and he is our father. That's what he wants. So I said, it's the right. We have that right to be his son, to be his daughter. Think about the rights that we have just as Americans. We like to say, like, oh, it's my right. I have this. When we actually have the right to say we are children of God. Think about that. So how are we at accepting that right? How are we at moving throughout life with that right of being children of God. Well, it comes down to what Jesus did with the man at the pool. And the first thing is this. Number one on your your note sheet. God chooses to love us like a father. We respond to love him like a child. John 1, 4 19 says, we love because he loved us first. He loved us first. Before we did anything for him, before we did any sacrifices, he chose to love us first. I think about my own kids, and I think I've said this before, like there's not a whole big demand on my love for them. In fact, there's, there is no demand because I love them because of who I am as their dad, not because of what they have done for me. They can't even clean their rooms or pick up after themselves. I'd be a very disappointed dad if I base my love off their actions. But no, it's because I'm the dad. I love them. God wants the same thing. He wants your love from your heart. Think about it. There's the creator of the universe gave us an option. Like the one thing that God has chosen that to not take from you, to not take control is your heart. He He's 100% given that ability to you. And yet that's the one thing he wants to give it to him, to love him back. He has chosen to love us first, so we need to love back as a child. I think if you were to ask my kids, why do you love dad? They might say, well, he's video games and, you know, he gives us food and whatnot. It'd be all these materialistic because they really haven't understood those things. And a lot of times we can base our love on God or what we have today. But we need to just love him back as a child. Love him back as a child. Because heart is the home base. Think about it. It all starts here if we know that God loves us, if we're secure in that love, if we actually walk in the idea that we have the right to be his son and daughter, that's our foundation, that's home base, that no matter what we're going through in life, we can always go back to the fact that God loves me. And it doesn't matter what the world says about me or throws at me, God loves me. That's home base. That's where we return to. That's, that's the foundation. Speaking of home base, I, I remember growing up, my dad, he would teach me so many things. So many things because that's, you know, my dad was a great dad or is a great dad. And that's what dads do. They teach things. And I know for a lot, I go back to how my dad would teach. And I know there are times where he'd get frustrated, end up just doing the whole thing. But he would at least attempt to teach me and teach me things. And one thing he loved to teach me was automobile stuff. Now, this was back when cars were easy to work on, you know, and a lot less complicated as it is today. But uh, he would teach me all these little simple things that would cost hundreds of dollars. Like, don't ever do this. We don't take cars and mechanics because we can do this now. You can do this yourself. And one of the things was the brakes, changing brakes. When I first got my car, I had bad brakes. I went to the mechanic, it took me like $500 had to get a loan for that. My dad says, didn't I teach you? Like, yeah, but I forgot. I wasn't paying attention. So, we learned all these things again, changing brakes. It's so simple. It really is. And so, having that knowledge and learning, I finally get married, and I'm living on my own, and my wife's, on her car is, the brakes are breaking. And you know, she says, hey, honey, can you take this to the mechanic? I'm like, no, we fix things here. Like, this is, this is the Jones household. All right? I got tools. I got tools in, in my garage. She goes, okay. I said, all right. So, I, uh, one day, it was a Wednesday. This is me and my wife were the youth pastors at the time. And... I come home from work, and I get home early, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to do your break. She says, no, wait for the weekend. I said, no, because I'm in work mode now, I want to rest on the weekend. So I'm in work mode now, I can get the breaks done, and we can go to youth group later tonight. She goes, okay. I take it apart, I do all those things, I realize that I'm way out of my depth. <laughs> and, but now I've taken it apart and done other things that there's no going back. Like, I have to finish these breaks because this is my wife's car. I have a truck that's a stick shift. She can't drive it. She has to go to work the next day. It has to be done, right? And I'm looking at the time. She comes out, and she's giving me a look, and I'm like, don't say anything. Like It will be done. It will be done. And then she goes, then she says the thing that, like, crawls under my skin, maybe, maybe you should call your dad. <laughs> I don't need to call my dad. He taught me how to do this. So I go back to more just doing it. And you know, you get in there and you're trying to like loosen a, uh, like, a bolt, and then it all of a sudden comes loose. And then you scratch up your knuckles and you're bleeding and you got grease everywhere. You break the brake line on accident and there's oil everywhere. And finally she says, Well, I need to, we need to go to youth group and everything's, I'm dirty, everything's apart. I said, well, I don't think I'm gonna make it. Can you have someone pick you up? She calls one of our leaders, she goes to youth group, and while she's gone, because I wouldn't do it in front of her, oh, I called my dad. <laughs> dad, can you come over and help me fix the brakes? Comes, my dad drive, used to drive this really big truck, the t- kind of truck that you hear from like miles away. Pops oh. out. Walks up to me, kind of that little side grin, and I'm just sitting there in a mess. And the first words he looks at me and says, Were you crying? <laughs> no? Dad, I just, this is frustrating. <laughs> Probably about 15 minutes later, the brakes were on the car and everything was fine. Did you go to youth I did not. <laughs> I wasn't in the headspace that night. It, yeah, it was already too late. But there's something about dads wanting to help their kids, right? There's something about that. My, my, my kid got his very first Lego set, or her, it was, actually it was Ellie, it was my daughter, and I was excited, like, hey, we can do this together because it's like a whole map thing, it's like a thing together and I'll help you. She goes, great. Ten minutes later, she's already halfway built. I'm like, I wanted to help you. She goes, no, Dad, I got it. I'm like, oh. Well, I mean, I guess that's good, but I wanted I wanted to help you. <laughs> Number two, God chooses to help us as a father. We accept with the dependence of a child. Let me go to John 14. John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. Again, if you have your Bible, underline that, circle it, circle that word, orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. Again, God is saying you're not alone. You don't have to just be, you know, on your own little orphan Annie by yourself. I am with you. You are my son. You are my daughter. We've talked about the word adoption. The word adoption in the Bible is a lot different than what we think about today. Adoption was a legal contract. It was binding. You could not break it. It was the fullness. You get the fullness of this family if you're adopted. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you alone. God's plan was never, for, never again, for us, never to go throughout, through life alone. Matthew 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Right there, he's laying it out. This is what I do. I always kind of chuckle at this because, I don't know, I, I, I love my kids, but I tend to mess with them a lot, and, and <laughs> one in particular was, if you know my wife, my wife, she's got like this beautiful curly hair, natural curly hair, and at one point, she, she wanted to straighten it, so she went, had it done, came back straight, she walks in, I'm like, oh, wow. I said, well, you, you, you look different. And I said, I wonder what the kids, what the, what the kids are going to think. She goes, yeah, I wonder too. Let's go out. And they're playing in the backyard. I'm like, let's go out and, and go see them. And uh, as we're, I start to kind of get in front of my wife in, in a hurry. And I go outside and I look at my kid and I said, this lady's not your mom. This lady's not your mom. Like, like I don't know who she is. And then my wife Jenny's like, what are you doing? And my kid's freaked out. <laughs> So I, I, I'm convicted of this because I thought it was funny. I, the whole goal is that someday my kids write a book like the crazy things my dad did to us um, as a joke. But, but I don't ever want my kids to know that they're alone. I don't ever want my kids to know that they have to go through life alone, that they, don't have, that they can't come to us. We always want to be open. God wants us to always bring everything to him, to be 100% dependent on him. Dependence equals dad helps me with this. You're stuck in your marriage. God, help me with this. Stuck at work. God, help me with this. Stuck with parenting. God, help me with this. Stuck with money issues. God, help me with this. There's nothing that God won't help you with. He wants that dependence because he is the God that can get anything done. But we have to be dependent on him like a child. We have to let go. That man at the pool needed help. He needed help to get in to the water. He was 100% dependent and when Jesus came to him and wanted to offer that help, that man was dependent. Except for, I think he was looking for Jesus to give him a piggyback ride into the water because that's what the world tells him how to get better. That's how, you, how, that's how it's done. So Jesus, help me into the water. And Jesus says, no. That's not how it's done you want to get better. Pick up your mat and walk. To a man for 38 years that has been waiting for this healing moment, there's probably got to be a little offense to this man. Like, are you kidding me? Do you see me? I can't even crawl into the water in time, and now you want me to pick up my mat and walk away? Yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. Now there's got to be trust there. Right? There's got to be trust. Number three, God's faithfulness is that of a father, and we respond with the trust of a child. (sighs) This is a hard one. This is a hard one because I know there's probably a lot of unanswered prayer in this room. And I get it. That doesn't stop us from having to trust him, to still trust him. We none of us can escape the harshnesses of life, they're just gonna come. And we're gonna have to go through it. We have to trust in the moment. I know it's hard, just like the man, when you're sitting there and you're seeing other peoples receiving healing, receiving miracles, and you're still waiting on yours. And what do you do? That's a rough one. But you have to trust. You have to trust. Because you might be in a position where that's all you have left is to trust. I told you earlier, November 30th is my third daughter's birthday. She's five years old, November 30th. When I blessed her on her birthday, not not that all my kids' birthdays are important, but there was something specific about this day. So so when my daughter was born, uh, she did not, we were in a situation where everything looked normal, everything was great, and then she was born and things weren't. And I can remember sitting there, standing there, that, you know, doctors have doctor languages that you really quite, you know, they're trying to say what's going on with, so that we really don't understand what's going on and the doctor says something, and all of a sudden, one of the nurses runs up, presses a button, and probably within 20 seconds, probably about 100 of other doctors just came rushing into the room, right? My wife just given birth, so she's not really understanding what's going on. I can see from across the room, from across my wife, all those doctors starting to resuscitate her. And then it dawns on me, she's... Not crying, she's not moving. She's just still. She's white as a ghost. And I'm just—I'm there in the moment. I'm—it felt like hours, but it really wasn't. Just seeing that her little body moving up and down as the doctors are trying to pump air into her lungs to keep her lungs going. And then my wife finally says, why don't I hear my baby crying? And the doctor who was helping my wife, fixing my wife up, looks at me and doesn't say anything, but I can see that there's something in her eyes. All I can do is hold my wife's hand. Couldn't say anything because my eyes, I I just see all those doctors surrounding my little girl. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, is this really gonna happen? And so I had to make a choice right then and there. Do I believe everything that I've read, everything that I've preached, everything that I've, you know, based my whole life off of, that this is true? I said, yeah, I do. And I knew that if things went sour, I was going to kick every atheist out of the room. And I don't care if I was going to say those words wrong. I was going to do exactly what Jesus did to the little girl that died. and say, akumi. I don't, I'm probably saying the words wrong. I know I'm saying the words wrong. But I would have said the words wrong no matter what. Because I knew that I trusted this. And I know for a lot of you, you know, you've seen my little girl running up and around So, you know, the story turned out good for me, and I know that the story doesn't turn out good for everyone. I'm well aware of that. Because as soon as it was all said and done, and my baby had her first cry, her first breath, and things were great, and the doctor's like, oh. (laughs) like she even had a sigh of relief. I'm like, oh, it was that bad. I am so grateful that my wife didn't get to see what I saw. Because when it was all said and done, my wife's holding my little girl, and I'm still standing there. And the doctor said, sir, I think you need to sit down. Are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I'm not going to be okay for a while. I am so thankful that God saved my little girl. But I still had to live in that moment that I was prepared to lose her. But I was prepared to do what needed to be done. Because I trusted God. God. I trusted him, and I know this is a hard one, and I know we've, we've, had, we've had loss, and I know there are times that we could, probably, we could say that you could probably look me in the face like, Michael, I trusted God, and it still didn't pan out right, and I don't have answers for that, but the only thing I can still say, but we still have to trust. We still have to Because trust, maybe, like I said, it's the only thing that we have left to fall back on in dark times. November 30th would have been a very different day in our house. It really would have. But it's that relationship that God wants, that deepening relationship. Abba, Father. You guys have heard that, right? You've heard that saying, you've heard that cry. It's only in the Bible three times, if you believe it or not. Three times. Jesus says it. He says it once in, in, in Mark. He says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. It was Jesus's dark night of the soul. It was the moment that he was in the distress. It was right before he was taken because he knew what awaited him. And he in that anguish that trust abba father because Jesus got that relationship and you can say well that, well that's Jesus well the other two times in the bible it's paul it's the sinner of sinners and he says in Romans 8:15 it says the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry abba father Abba, Father. The second time in Galatians 4, 6, he says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. This is what God wants, the deepening relationship that we cry out to, Daddy, I need you. Abba, Father. We cannot take that relationship for granted We can't just be like, oh, yes, God, yeah, you're our father. No. He is our father. A good father. This is is the quote that I read that really summarizes everything. There's a theologian named J.I. Packer. And he says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. And then I like this part. Father is the Christian name for God. I talked about how in the Old Testament, God has many different names, but Father wasn't one of them. But in this New Testament time, in this New Testament grace, that is his name, Father. And isn't it crazy that this is how the enemy attacks us, by destroying families, by having bad fathers as role models to others? Because that's the relationship he wants. The band can come on up. I feel like this message is for three types of people. One, the reminder. Yeah, I need to be reminded that, that God is my dad. Or two, and this is the hard one, maybe it's for people that don't have good earthly dads. That don't have good dads and the last thing they want is to have another one and the other one is for people just to let go and to be fathered by God it's it's this vision that i had this week of when you're on a roller coaster or or you're you're just going through in life and you want to hold on because you're just holding on for dear life that, that tenseness, that, that white knuckle that, that you're just holding on and God just wants to grab your hands and let go. And so let me be your father. Just be my child. Don't take control over every aspect of your life. Just be my child. Let daddy take care of it. Just let go. That's you just this week. Let God father you in your prayer time, before you go to work, before you come home, before your your whatever it is, God, father me right now, because I need it. It's, it's amazing because I just, when you think about religion or you think about this stuff, right, and there's, there's a ton of different religions and gods and lowercase g gods that we serve the God that operates in family that operates in family not in fear not not in condemnation but in family the God that wants to be your father and just wants us to be sons and daughters and that's how in every aspect if you want to be a better person, operate in family. If you want a better family, operate in family. A better husband, better at your work, operate in that context because that is how God operates. Family. You must be fathered because God loves you and he wants to help you because he is forever faithful. So Heavenly Father, we thank you Heavenly Father, we thank you. Father, help us to be a people that is fathered by you daily. Help us to be a people that is dependent upon you daily. And help us to be a people that know that no matter what the world throws at us, we have your love. Because you love us. Not because of anything we did, but just because of who you are. about family, talk about how God wants to operate. Communion is the perfect example to sit at a table and to commune and how Jesus said, this is how you're going to remember me. So if we have your elements, take out your bread and know that the God, that Jesus who gave up his body so that we can have this relationship to do this remembrance of me. Take that now. It was the relationship that God wanted from the beginning, but sin messed it up. For us to be his children and for us, for him to be our dad. And it was by Jesus' blood. Now that that is now possible, that we now have that right to be sons and daughters. Do this in remembrance of Him. So, this last scripture, as I send you off with a blessing, says this in 1 John 3 See. What great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and Granite Creek, that is what you are. This week, well, today, walk out this building as a child of God. Walk out this building, greeting one another as a child of God. And this week, open yourself up to let God follow you. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, guys.